Hey, hello, what's up? This is Medics Motive and you're listening to Kundai Speaking. In this episode, we have Akash and Kishan, 5th and 6th year medical students from Prague who are both co-founders of a cookie company called Sweet Treats. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode on medicine, the future of health tech and on entrepreneurship. Let's jump right into it. Hey guys, you're listening to Medics Motive and this is Kundai with Kishan, Akash. Okay, so why are you guys in London? So we just came back to attend the trauma conference mm. at Imperial College and it was absolutely awesome. So can you tell us a bit more about the trauma conference? Yeah, sure. I mean, lectures are for half of the day and the second half of the day, it's all practical stuff. So even the practical split into two, there's wet and there's dry. And for the dry, it's kind of just like... Practicing intubation, CPR, um, fast scans, all the imaging and emergency stuff. And then the wet stuff is like suturing, amputations, chest strains. Yeah. I would say it's better to attend it third, fourth year and above. Like, obviously, you can attend in any year, but for maximum benefit, third, fourth year and above. I mean, is a it, good it, idea. Depends, it depends why you're going. I think if, if, if your intention is to retain maximum information, then hands down go third year onward. My intention, second year, wasn't to retain. It was just to have context of what I was learning. And for that, I think any year is brilliant. Yeah, that's true. With one of the speakers, he's one of the patrons for the conference, and his name is Professor Boffard. And basically, he started with the simplest of things. He was just talking about cardiac output, stroke volume, heart rate, and everyone was sort of nodding their heads and saying, yeah, okay, I get, I get this, I feel you. And then it slowly just started to escalate and say, okay, you're down with this? Cool, next one, and then next one. And then suddenly he was like, okay, I've talked enough about physiology. Here's a patient 101. What do you do? And then suddenly it all just comes in. You're integrating, you're using... Yeah. You're using what you know to actually come up with unique and sort of creative ways of like solving problems. That sounds very good opportunity to go to. Yeah, highly recommend it. Thank you. Okay, so moving on to your journey into medicine. Yeah, for me, I had an experience with my auntie who had polio. She had several disabilities, so throughout my childhood, I helped care for her up until she died. So that kind of inspired me. And on top of that, I'm really into fitness, so I coach people online. Mm. So just combining medicine with fitness, I think they pretty much go hand in hand. Just coupling the two together is kind of a good combo. But how do you coach people online? So I, I basically have a social media page. People can message me for workout plans, diet plans, any advice they need. And today I've joined a new app called My PT Hub, where people can download, buy plans, etc. And yourself? What first attracted you? Um, I actually wasn't really sure about medicine itself until quite later on, but yeah. I was pretty confident that it was between one of three things. So either medicine, computer science, or electrical engineering. But I think with things like computer science, with things like basic aspects of engineering, you can kind of learn a lot of that as you go along. So if you do have an interest in, say, programming and you want to develop an app, you don't have to be a major in computer science to actually develop an app. You can learn that yourself the same way the founder of Instagram learned it himself. But with medicine, you can't actually learn it yourself. You do actually have to have some clinical exposure and you do have to like go to medical school to become a medic. So that's kind of the key thing that made me choose medicine over anything else. But also, same as Kisha, my, I, my, my sister um, had a lung problem when she was born. I was nine years old at the time. 
and she was on the ECMO machine and um, she was basically bouncing around hospitals. There were so many tubes from all directions going going through her. That kind of like inspired me. But after that, when I was sort of 14, 15, 16, I decided to do lots of clinical placements. Uh, and then I actually had the chance to go to India and work in a few work at a few places. The next year after that, I had the chance to go to Columbia University and work at New York Presbyterian Hospital. That was for two months on under pediatric nephrology. And obviously at the time I was like, I barely knew what nephrology was, to be honest. But what I did realize was the fact that the way they do things and the system there, the way they sort of approach patients, um, I felt was very different to the way it was approached in India and in the UK. So I kind of had a very like international sort of experience of medicine. So you know what, this is pretty cool. I have no idea where I want to be in the future, but either way, like this is kind of pretty dope. <laughs> okay, so where do you guys go to medical school? Charles University. Charles University in Prague. Oh, okay, what's that like? So you start first year, and it's pretty intense. Five six tests a week. So anatomy, histology, and then if that's not bad enough, Latin and Czech. So every week the whole year, it's just so intense. Very but then to be honest, it does get better after second year. Like it gets more chilled and less like micro tests every day i mean i mean the thing is just the key difference in terms of why first year is very very interesting for us yeah. is the fact that it has a massive dropout rate yeah. so essentially like 50 percent of students fail first year it can wow. be it can be more it can be more sometimes yeah. so i started my year with what 70 ish yeah same. and right now with 25 that's incredible yeah i mean i mean the thing is i, th I think the way i see it and i'm not sure if this is how it works but I think getting into the UK is much harder. So in terms of the application process and the and the students that are selected, um, generally the the caliber is much higher. However, at the same time, at say Charles University for our first year, we have some students who are excellent, some students who are good, some students who are, who are not so great. And essentially, the way I think the university sees it is that look like if you want to study medicine, like we'll give you the opportunity, but and you can come and enter, but will you come out? Because it's going to be very very hard. No, I think that's good stuff, I guess. Did you guys do any other extracurriculars at the same time, or how did you manage your no, time? No, not really. I mean, the thing is, over here, I think, especially at a place like UCL or, or, like, one of the London universities, like, you have so many societies, crazy amount of societies. Over there, we actually, we have one sort of, like, organisation called the International Student Union. But other than that, we don't really have many societies as such. Um, so first year is generally we don't really get involved in anything at all um, and also the the time factor I mean the fact that you actually have to study for something every single yeah. day yeah. means that even if you are the type of guy or girl who just wants to go drink party have fun there's only so much scope you have <laughs> I mean I kind of did quite a lot I just yeah. managed to balance it like if I went out on Friday night and got home at 5 I would be up at 8am go to the gym start studying because I yeah. wanted to party and study so you just got to make it work like and the thing is like because because of the fact that we have certain subjects and now like again going back to first year we have a subject called biophysics or medical biophysics and um i was trying to explain this to someone and he it's, said it's borderline graduate physics obviously in first year on top of anatomy and histology and latin and czech and i don't know like two three four yeah. other things it's like the biggest nightmare and because it's such a new field like you don't really have many textbooks so if you go on amazon and you type biophysics you might see a 125 pound book for like graduates who are doing like maybe a master's or a phd but you don't really have a like a student's revision guide to biophysics because it's not big enough so you really kind of even at that level in first year you really have to understand how to make the most out of each and every lecture how to kind of extrapolate as much information as possible and at the same time you have to be quite innovative with how you find information so if you are lucky enough to have a senior who can kind of help you and guide you through the process then great 
Okay, a bit more about your motives now. Sweet treats, what is this? We've been talking about starting some kind of company for a very, very long time. One day, we were just having dinner together and we just were like, you know what, we need to start something, otherwise we're never going to do it because I'm going to graduate, he's going to graduate soon. And so we literally just started planning how we're going to do it. We got a logo made, perfected the recipe and just literally started selling. Within five days, we went from like nothing to like having a logo, an Instagram page, a company with branding and being able to sell cookies. And then we just carried on from there, kept growing, reaching I mean, more people. I mean, now we're, we're 175 days old. So actually, if you, if you go on our Instagram, we've done this thing where we've put, we write a post every day. Wow. So, what? Yeah, yeah, we literally do a post every single day. So it's something kind of like either that we find interesting or something that's noteworthy. A lot of the time it's medically related. So once I did like a post, we did a post on lupus and integrated it with Selena Gomez and sort of like the song Despacito, which was quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. And we tried to see this post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Follow our page. Sweet Treats HK. Yeah. Before that, let me step back and ask, how did you guys meet in the first place? Okay, so we have the system where you can have a HK kid. He was just like, can you be my dad? And I was like, yeah, I'll be your dad. And, <laughs> and then his friend was like, can I be your dad? And I was like, yeah, I'll be your dad as well. So I had two kids before I knew it. Life. Literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and why the cookie specifically? I think the thing is, Kishan is a very, very good cook. He loves cooking. So I decided to get on that train. And I was like, you know what, bro? Like, let's let's cook for us and let's cook for, like, two, three of our mates. He was the ma- he was the main master chef and he sort of made this really nice lamb curry and a few other cool things. And then after a while, we, you know, we had the food and we were just kind of thinking and we said, you know what? Like, it sucks that in our town, like, there isn't really a very good dessert place at all. Whether it's cookies or ice creams or brownies or whatever it is, like, there's nothing that we can actually have right now that will, you know, satisfy our sweet tooth. Kishan was like, you know what, I can make cookies, so I'm going to make a a batch of cookies. And we were like, go for it, sounds good to me. And then when they came out and we had a bite, we thought, this could actually go somewhere potentially. It was that good. (laughs) I don't know if it was that good, but... I mean, mean, the thing is, to to be honest, it it was good. But the cookies we have now are much, much better. But it was more so to do with the fact that when we were having it, we just thought, it's crazy... it's crazy that at this time, and it wasn't a crazy time, it wasn't 3 a.m. in the morning, it was more like, I don't know, 10.30 yeah. or 10. Yeah. And then we just thought it's ridiculous that we can't get a, a single dessert at this time. So if we can kind of work on this, I mean, as we were having the cookie, if we can just make a cookie that's really tasty, then hopefully like other students can just come and get this and th- it will help with the problem a bit. Okay, so mainly for the other medical students? Our main group of people right now is students, but yeah. we are trying to expand now and reach Czech people as well as international people. I mean, if you think about it, the international student population for our university is like, I don't know, four four five hundred people. In that sense, it is much easier for us to using Instagram and Facebook and just like, just word of mouth. Even. Personally as well. Yeah, personally, like literally just going out there and just saying, hey, would you like a cookie? Yeah. Whereas, I mean, for a town and with the Czechs, there's still, there's still, I think, a problem with the because of the language barrier. It's very hard to kind of go up to a Czech person and say, hey, dude, would you like to try a cookie? Um, and Without sounding like... Yeah, with, without, sounding, like, without sounding like you have some, or... like, <laughs> hidden intention that you're not really, like... <laughs> like, a lot of people in London won't turn down a free cookie. Yeah. But I think in the Czech Republic, they'll yeah. look at us and probably do that. Especially if you can't speak Czech. Yeah. The way they see it is you're just an alien just saying, hey, take this cookie. Mm. And you deliver? Yeah, yeah we, we personally deliver do, personally. do it until 5am in the morning. Fa- what? Yeah, yeah, that's how we've been doing it so far. Yeah. 
So the so the latest order we've actually had is around three thirty five or three forty. Yeah. Uh, luckily, no one's really messaged us at four thirty or five. Yeah. But the but, offer's always there. We keep yeah. messaging. We're on Instagram. You can check our story at four a.m. four thirty. Dedication. We're hustling. How busy are you? Are you constantly baking the cookies or staying awake waiting for orders? No, no, no. So we do whatever we have to. But when between us, we just work out if we have an order. He'll go and sort it out. If we get another one, I'll sort it out. We just organize it accordingly. Oh, okay. So we're not waiting for orders, but like we we organize it in a way that if an order comes, one of us will fulfill it. Yeah. The cookie clinicians. The cookie clinicians. <laughs> <laughs> and I think another thing with this was obviously we have a business, but we also want to do stuff to really help people. So like to raise money for Yemen, for example, for their cholera crisis. Mm. Just helps students with studying. So ACAT is very active educationally at our uni. I guess when you have a business, you can always give stuff back because you are in a position to do that mm. as well. So if you order twelve or more cookies, we personally go and deliver. Is it economically feasible, or like does it make sense profit wise to actually deliver at three thirty in the morning? Probably not, right? Mm. But I think the main take home message is the fact that we kind of want to show that we care. We try and go above and beyond yeah. what we have to do, like. I mean, give an extra cookie when we can. Prize people if it's their birthday. I mean, literally, it was someone's birthday. Get personal birthday. with yeah. names on the on Yeah, we the write the names bag. and a smiley face. Because <laughs> the thing that I notice is the fact that it's so easy to switch off the care button. Like, you know, if you've had two or three bad experiences with people and said, you know what, I needed this and this person didn't care, so I guess why should I care sort of thing. And we're just trying to change that, that particular thing. So... What would you say is your mission statement slash your vision statement? Where do you see Sweet Treats going? That's a, that's a very, very good question. Obviously, we just want to keep producing really good products at really great prices for students, but... I guess the dream would be to have some kind of place one day. Yeah, right, that that's, we, that's the dream. From. But to be very honest, a lot of it's running on intuition right now. Yeah. It's very much like on the day, what do we feel is right? I mean, take the whole Yemen, the Yemen thing with the with giving to Yemen and raising money for Yemen. Mm. That was literally a decision made within a split second. It was sort of like we, we opened the news, we saw what was happening. And then Kishan was like, you know what? I think it's time to raise money for Yemen and, and we just move forward. Yeah, it's just very reactive. At this stage, there's no problem with that. Like, just seeing what's happening and reacting accordingly. But I guess for any company, the vision is to just get bigger and expand and have more people and just we have plans to branch into education at some point. So we actually have someone on our team now who's sort of helping us with sort of like making a program that's more sort of that that's that can help with the transition from like studying in the Czech Republic to when you want to go back to, say, the UK or if you want to go back to the US or wherever. Okay. As cookie clinicians, I'm getting the vibe that you guys care a lot. Um, but I'm just wondering, in terms of your future as clinicians in general, what are you guys' plans? What are you guys interested in? Where do you guys see yourselves going into? Um, for me, definitely healthcare and technology mm-hmm. and how you can integrate both of them together. Mm-hmm. So basically, when I was a kid, my dad was a junior programmer. But from a very, very early age, when I was sort of six years old, he helped me make my first website. And even then, I was very much into sort of like, you know, pro- not not next level, but very <laughs> basic how to create a website and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and obviously, like I mentioned before, I was very confused between computer science and medicine. And when I did choose medicine, it was with the mindset that, OK, I'm going to do medicine and find a way to integrate it with computer science, which I see a lot of people are doing now with things like Khan Academy Medicine, Osmosis and stuff like that. And um, in the conference that we both attended, um, I managed to see one of my biggest like role models, which is Dr. Shafi Ahmed, the founder of uh, 
virtual reality and virtual medicine and he's doing some incredible work on sort of integrating education medicine and technology um and that's thing that i want to do so work on sort of education and make it interesting i mean anatomy physiology all these things can you imagine in virtual reality how crazy it would be i think the opportunities are endless really i think from like 10 years from now you could literally just put your fingerprint on your mobile phone and it'll tell you what your kidney function is yeah. i don't even know how but i think it'll happen yeah in my first year we had this project in my students selected components so just like short modules um every other thursday afternoon one of our tasks was to create an, an item that could go into medicine we made ours a technology one called digitech so this was like a smart tooth that using nanotechnology can detect your blood content so any minerals any um any levels of electrolytes any levels of um hormones this kind of thing will be possible in the future yeah and not just virtual reality i mean augmented reality one one thing that we're doing currently is uh, one of the people on our advisory panel is an orthopedic registrar his name is dr kapil sagand and um he f- he founded this company called hamlet a medical 3D holographics company in London and um it was pub- publicized on on BBC news and wired magazine and stuff like that but essentially it's just like having a 3D hologram of the structure so that if you're kind of operating on the heart a 3D hologram of the heart sort of comes up and you can move it around and manipulate it and it's i mean maybe it can be used in the OR but in terms of it as an educational tool it's it's amazing because you can literally play around with the structures you can add this you can remove this and you can you can personalize it in any Really want. So a year in surgery would this be the hologram of the person you're performing surgery on, or like yeah. a general? Oh wow, that's yeah, basically yeah. I mean, I mean, the one that he's working on, I think, is is not the one of the patient. Mm. It's more just like, hey, this is a cool educational tool. But I think as as technology sort of like allows for you to have one of the patient, uh, we will have one of the patient, and we can actually move it around before we decide to do it on the thing. Can you just imagine? Say we live in the future, instead of having to take someone into an MRI scan or something, literally just having some sort of um mobile one you can take to someone's bed and then you can see the 3d so you want to see someone's kidney somehow get a hologram out of there that'll be incredible that sounds very futuristic though and that's basically yeah i mean i i actually feel like we are living in the future and that's a very weird thing to say but essentially <laughs> like i feel like all the things that i thought would happen in like 10 20 years time is kind of happening right now really mm. and that jump between kind of medicine focusing on treatment and sort of like okay patient coming in give this antibiotic give this give that um the shift has happened where it's more to do with preventative medicine so it's more to be you know be, being able to have that correct scanner or this thing that can d- diagnose this problem before it even comes up in 5 years time mm. and even even genetics and you know all of that is is integrated into this entire thing i mean the fact that you can get your entire personal human genome and you can print it out for just like $100 is crazy mm. prevention is a massive thing in medicine that Pre- prevention is the future yeah. yeah a good way to go about it is to like health and fitness and that's that, the thing that's the best way to yeah. get people engaged in their own healthcare i think it's health fitness and just education as well Technology is—it's so interesting. I'm so excited. Te- Technology is actually allowing us to go up to the next level and the level above that. It's incredible. I mean, the fact that you know, in certain fields such as like say radiology or interventional radiology and things like that, technology is crazy. You get to see some really, really, really cool gadgets and tools. And even the fact that within radiology, the the fact that it scans that you're mainly working on, I can be a, a radiologist or I can be someone working in London, and if I'm unsure about a certain thing, I can literally just say, "Look, you're one of the top radi- radiologists in Tokyo. What do you think?" here's the scan take mm. a look eventually it's going to be a very very international teamwork sort of thing that's that's pretty cool. even with robotic surgery you can be in bahrain and operate in london if you have the equipment there's a machine called the da vinci machine i don't know if you've heard of it you literally just operate using a screen 
your fingers and the Da Vinci machine does whatever you need it to do. I mean, it's a, it's a state of an, a state of the art machine uh, made by this company called uh, Intuitive Surgical, and their team is basically just engineers, doctors, computer scientists, and all of them are working to do cutting edge stuff. And it's crazy, like like Hishan said, you can be anywhere in the world. I could I could literally just be in Hawaii, just like chilling, and then I just get a message saying, "Hey, like you need to do this operation ASAP." I go back into the hotel, do the operation come back and then just have my pina colada this evolution of technology in medicine is changing the way doctors firstly are practicing but i think that should also change the way doctors are trained yeah you read something in a textbook from 2012 and then you a doctor's like how would you diagnose this and he'll say something and then he'll be like you don't even do this anymore you just get an ultrasound and you'll see it in one second mm. that happens so often now so often. like even books get out of date within two years you know i mean books are like so archaic for studying medicine that's that's why we're very lucky to have websites like up today and like sort of youtube and i'm assuming this is the right way of going about it what's quite frustrating i think is how all of this is happening and some lecturers will be updating you but because it's also new but it's not something you'd be willing to put more time into unless you're interested in it it's something that can slip through in a lot of people's um, yeah. minds that's why i think as a six year a big piece of advice is read textbooks but also read around the subjects, so BMJ, journals, um, and up-to-date is very good because stuff does change. And just and just be it's really, crazy. like, just be really, really interested. I mean, when I when I went in second year, um, which is a trauma conference, a lot of people who were, like, fifth, sixth year, they kind of actually just laughed at me and said, what are you doing here? Like, you won't understand anything. But when I did cover the material that I, I saw at the conference, again, even though it was inherently boring to my other friends, it was so much more interesting to me because I've actually seen it in context. Given that you guys are already given advice, this would be a good time to ask you guys for three cheesy parts of wisdom. Any piece of advice you'd give to either medical students or people getting into medicine or who want to be entrepreneurs? I mean, if you're going for like super cheesy, from like Confucius to Gary Vaynerchuk, the main thing is patience. Um, whether it's medicine, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's anything, I think the ability to be insanely patient will get you very very far so naturally i'm a very impatient guy but i've learned a lot of patience from kishan actually because he's he's very very good at being patient um we had a massive struggle with sweet treats in the beginning because unlike over here where you can just set up a company using a website or it's very easy to sort of register have a registered company over there because of the language barrier we don't know how to read like all this next level formal check we didn't know how it all works we we had no idea how it worked so literally a process that could be done in what a few days here took us around four four months three it took a very long time that's where you kind of differentiate between you know two people who want to do the same thing and who actually manages to do it and who doesn't you have to be so so patient I think the other cheesy thing is consistency. It takes time and it takes what consistent work every day. Same with fitness, it's consistency every day over a period of time. Not working your ass off in one month and getting a result. In order for you to actually be exceptional, you just have to do the very basic things like being consistent, like being patient, and you just have to do it really, really well. There is no like magic secret that like once you know, you're going to become Superman. Mm. Being Superman is just about understanding that everything you have, everything that you kind of you kind of know about, you know what the right thing to do is. You know, like the people who sort of like Google saying how to get a six pack. You know, guys, you probably know how to get a six-pack. It's probably just exercising a lot, eating well, and mm. just, like, making sure that you're consistent. But it's just looking for shortcuts. Yeah. There are no shortcuts. Yeah. And I, and I think another thing is, like, especially nowadays when things have become so insanely competitive, it's so tempting to do things just for the CV. 
Um, and this is uh, this is like especially important for medics as well because I mean it's very easy to feel like you're competing against everyone and you have to do something really really special to stand out. Mm. And even at our uni, we see that you know some people you know we have a a Mayo um, a Mayo program where essentially you can study at Mayo Clinic during the summer. It's a scholarship program, so students go and they spend time at a department and then they learn and do research. Mm. And it's really cool if my if my for example like I'm very interested in orthopedic and neurosurgery. So if I manage to get placement for one of those two and I'm at, I'm at Mayo Clinic I'm balling I'd love to do that however if Mayo can only offer me I don't know dermatology which is not my thing and I decide to go ahead with it anyway because I think wow Mayo Clinic one of the best universities in the world how can I say no yeah. um, ultimately it will, it'll still look good on my CV it'll still, it'll still say Mayo Clinic dermatology but come interview time when I'm applying with the other other dermatologists and when there's a panel of dermatologists asking me questions and just like this they kind of say hey um, I can see on your CV, it says Dermatology Mayo Clinic. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Mm. It's going to be so clear to people who are passionate about something that you're actually a fake, you're not passionate at all. Mm. And um, I think it is about being unique, because when I applied for university, I was under the impression I had to have grade 8 piano, D of E, you know, all that standard stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, they really don't care, because everybody has that. They will care if you have something unique something nobody has that you can talk about with passion. I mean, that's why Sweet Treats for me was a no-brainer, because I can I can really show my passion for cookies. I mean, even if I had to, I'd eat 15 cookies if need. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in that sense, like, <laughs> you kind of do, you, you do have to be passionate. Mm. Yeah. And and again, like, just, just explore things. I mean, we're so lucky that we're studying medicine and we're at a stage now, like, you know, we can we can really explore things and check things out and I think it's ultimately up to us. I mean, one thing that a lot of students complain about back there is the fact that, you know, looking looking from our side, it looks like, you know, all these amazing UK medical schools have, like, all the opportunities in the world. Like, wow, like, this speaker came in, or like, oh, no, if I were at UCL, I'd be doing this and that. And the truth is, like, obviously, yeah, you, you guys do have a, a lot more opportunities, but at the same time, like, it's very easy to just approach a professor and say, hey, I'm actually really interested in this, and I'd love to just spend a bit more time with you and learn a bit more about it. People complain without even having that, without even taking that first step, which is so crazy. Yeah, people are very good at saying, we don't have this, we don't have this, we need this. But it's like, have you tried to get this? Have you asked for this? Have you told someone about this? I mean, literally, we actually approached someone who was a member of the European Parliament. And it was insane to find out how, how easy it was to approach this person. All we did was drop him a message saying, hey, my name's Akash, my name's Kishan, um, here are a few things we'd like to talk about, and if possible, we'd like to meet you. And almost instantly, he sort of replied, or his secretary replied, saying, yeah, we'd love to, like, we've never really got an email like this before, why yeah. not? And, it, and it's something that I've noticed myself at the Doctorpreneurs Conference. Yeah. There were some really amazing speakers out there. And it's just so easy to just drop them a message saying, hey, I loved your speech, especially this particular part, and I'd love to have a chance to work with you. And more often than not, they'll just say, you know what? Yeah, why not? There's such a culture on not wanting to look too keen on something, but in education, and then especially for going into medicine. I mean, we're all adults. We're responsible for our own learning. How hard I work from year one to six will reflect how good I am as a doctor, right? So if you see something wrong, you have to be a bit proactive. And one thing you guys can start up being proactive in is in sharing Medics Motive. Ian Zatz, Winky Moji Home. Thank you once again to Akash and Kishan for your time. Um, thank you for your patience. Thank you to everyone listening. And if you guys have any questions for both the guests or for me, you can contact me on Twitter, Facebook or SoundCloud. Until next time, this was Kundai on Medics Motive.